Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. You know, I was thinking as they were singing that last song, you know, Martha, she said, you know what, if I get time, if I, if I can work it in, then I'll sit at Jesus' feet. But Mary said, you know what, if there's time for nothing else, I'm going to be at Jesus' feet. And love that thought. So grateful that you are here. What a great uh, day that we come together on Sunday morning uh, just to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We had a great time last week uh, just celebrating that he is alive, that there's a tomb that is empty. And a throne in heaven that's occupied by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we uh, had uh, near 600 people. I think there were 577 people between our services uh, last week. So just had an incredible uh, just turnout and great time there. And uh, maybe you're here today and this is your first Sunday with us. Uh, I want to say thank you so much uh, for choosing to to come here this morning. Uh, We would love uh, just to connect with you as we walk together on this journey, uh, just in pursuit of Christ, as we uh, just continue to follow him. Uh, It would mean a a bunch to me for you to give us just a a little information that we could connect with. We won't be weird and show up like at your house or anything unless you invite us, but uh, you can text the word guest to uh, 828-477-4037. And actually, like if you text the word guest, that'll help us and it'll kind of automate some responses and send you some uh, some information and a gift, but you can text anything in the world to that number and it'll come to my phone. So if you'll, uh, uh, anything you want to share, uh, I forward all negative feedback to Pastor Chris, who was away this week, but um, actually if you, have, if you have any of that, you can send that to chris at cowie.church. Um, uh, but thank you again for being here. We're grateful just to gather this morning. We're in the midst of a series called Against All Odds, and from the beginning of the year, we've been walking through uh, the scriptures, kind of the, 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 the greater story, the, the big story of scripture, and as a, as a church, we've been reading along together through that story, and so I'm thankful uh, for you joining in with us. If you are uh, just joining us today, there are copies of that reading plan at the exit. You can also find that on the disciple page. And, uh, and we gather in the midst of that, and once a week you get a portion of the story, and then you fill in the blanks through the week as we read uh, together. But today, we're going to be in a story, right? The ultimate, what we would think of as the hero story. Uh, for those of you who've been reading, you kind of know where we're going. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. If you want to take your copy of God's Word, uh, take uh, your Bibles and turn there or your devices, whatever uh, way that you connect. You'll also find some sermon notes and those scriptures uh, on the app as well, so you can connect in there. But it's this story, right, of a young shepherd boy and this Philistine giant. It's like the, the, the most common story maybe in all the scriptures. It's the story that all superhero stories are, are modeled after in some ways. And we find this story set in a real critical time in the, the nation and in the life of the children of Israel. And what we find is that this nation and, and the the, the leadership really of the nation was in a serious mess, right? Saul had been appointed as the nation's first king, uh, and this was at the people's demand, right? They believed that a king would bring stability, that a king would bring security, and, and it would give them this stability in the midst of crazy 
times. And so they're excited in that direction. And they pick one that on the outside looked like it made sense, right? He's head and shoulders above everybody else, right? And we're reminded in that story uh, that man looks at the outward appearance, right? But God looks at the heart. And so what we find is uh, them in a, a mess, right? We, we, they, they had desired, 1 Samuel 8 would tell us, that they wanted to be like other nations, right? And they wanted a king to go before them. They wanted a king to go out uh, ahead of them and to fight their battles. And so they look at Saul and they say, this is the kind of guy that would do that. Now, it's easy for them and it's easy for me. It's easy maybe even for us to forget what God has already been there to deliver us from, right? They, it was easy for them to forget all that God had done. And so they felt threatened and they said, Saul will work. But what we find out about Saul is that he's been disobedient to the Lord's commands, right? We see th that he had been disobedient and, and because of that, he had been rejected by God. And so here he is still functioning, uh, really functionally as, as the people's king. But what we see is a new king had been chosen by God. And, and it was this shepherd boy named David, right? He's been anointed at Bethlehem by the prophet Samuel. And, and in these moments, we, we read, right, that the spirit of the Lord fell upon David from that day forward. And so here we are, fast forwarded just a bit, and here comes Goliath. And, and in the story of David and Goliath, right, the underdog story of all underdog stories, the one where we read and we're so excited because the underdog wins. And, and it's such a great story. We, you know, we love superheroes. I remember when I was little, I, I got a red uh, Superman cape, right? And I would put that Superman cape on and I just had in my mind that I could probably be a superhero, right? And so I remember one day I jumped out of a swing set and I thought I could probably fly and ended up finding out that I broke my wrist that day because I wasn't quite the superhero that I thought I might be. But we dress up like them. There's movies all the time. And here's the thing. We always want to be the superhero. That's where we find ourselves. But, but what if that was never the message that we were meant to take from this story? What if, what if this passage of scripture was to point a different direction? And so we're going to just run through uh, very quickly 1 Samuel chapter number 17, the story of David and Goliath. And I want you to keep this thought in your mind as we go. And the title of this message is Stones in the Savior's Hand. Stones in the Savior's Hand. So we find the setting, right? The bad guys who are the Philistines, they've gathered uh, their armies for battle and they've gathered in a place that belonged to Judah. Now, they, they've gathered in such a way uh, that they are in a place, right? Now, now, if you remember, God had already promised this land. God has already given this land uh, to the children of Israel, right? And so we read beginning in verse 3 that the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side and there was this valley that was between them. Now, the Philistines, they're, they're living in this promised land, but they're not supposed to be there, right? God has instructed and given the land to Israel. He's, he's instructed them to drive out uh, the inhabitants of the land. But now these Philistines, they were, they were serious, right? They were strong and they were a technologically advanced people. They were a people that had began to work with metal and with bronze and, and they had made all this armor, right? We're going to read uh, that Goliath had a coat of mail, right? And that's not like 
a bunch of letters. Like, that's not post office stuff. It's like a big, heavy, like 200-pound coat, right? And he's got all this armor. And, and then you have Goliath. And in verse 4 says, Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines, named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. So this guy is a big guy. Now, this would be a guy that would be like nine foot uh, six inches tall. This is a champion, right? This is a, a, a huge man. And he would come out all armored up. And he, and he came out talking trash, right? We learned that trash talking didn't uh, start on the playground when you're uh, in middle school. It didn't start on the football field. It wasn't in those moments. Like trash talking has been around for a while. Look at verse 8. Uh, this is what the scripture says. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? And like he's spoken fun, like he knows who should be out fighting the battle, right? He knows the king that they had picked and they thought would stand. And he says, hey, uh, am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man from yourselves and have him come down to me. Verse 9, he says, if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. Here's how this is going to work. If he takes me out, we'll become your servants. But if I prevail against him, and kill him. Then you shall become our servants and serve us. It's this picture of representative warfare. One person fights on behalf of the army and the battle is to be decided this way. Verse 10, and the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Now what we're going to see later in this passage is this guy's doing this twice a day. Like, like he's getting up in the morning, they're getting up and they're eating a raisin bran and they can hear him, right? They're, they're up and they're, maybe they're eating yogurt or maybe they're, whatever, whatever's going on. Like, like this is the moment, like they're getting up every morning and they're hearing this giant Philistine, right? They're hearing this kind of thing, right? They're going to bed like in the evening, hearing the same kind of thing. Verse 11, when Saul and all of Israel, this is how they respond. They hear these words of the Philistine and they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Right, fear is contagious, right? Saul is afraid and the children of Israel, they are scared to death. They are shaken in their boots. The Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand. Then Jesse, so here's another little uh, side note, right? Then Jesse said to David, his son, take now for your brothers an ephah of roasted grain and ten, at least 10 loaves and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also these 10 cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand and look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of them. He said, hey, take them, these Lunchables, like go down to, you know, to the store, get a bunch of Lunchables, like cheese and crackers. It's going to help. And you take them there. And once you've given them all the cheese and crackers, then I need you to come back and let me know how they're doing. And because here's what's happening in verse 19. He said, Saul and all the men of Israel, they're in the Valley of Eli and they're fighting with the Philistines. Now here's young David. Now, remember, he's been anointed to be king, right? But he's still, notice something, young people. He's been anointed to be king, but he is still faithful in the fields under the submission and leadership of his father, right? He's still submitting to the authority of his father. And, and, and here he is, three of his older brothers, right? They've gone with Saul into the battle. And here David, the youngest, right? He's sent with these Lunchables. He's sent with this little menial Aaron. And, and here's what we find out, right? He leaves his, his sheep with a keeper. He leaves somebody watching them and he heads out. Now, he gets there, and he gets to the, to the battle line, right, to see his brothers. And as he's talking with them, let's get down to verse 23. The scripture says this, Behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke 
these same words, and David heard them. So he hears the same trash-talking joker going at it, and he's not impressed at all, right? He hears him talking, and when he heard him, now, now notice what the, the men of Israel did. Notice what the children of Israel, they hear him, and the Bible says when the men of Israel saw this man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid, and they began to talk. And so here's David hearing all these things, and he says, have you seen this guy, right? Verse 25, have you seen the man who's coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches, will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. So he's going to make him rich. He's going to give him his daughter for a wife. And he's going to make him not have to pay taxes anymore, right? And surely there's somebody that's saying, hey, this sounds like a good deal. I'm up for this battle, right? His house, he's going to, this is going to be great. And now David is sitting here and he's hearing this and he's like, what, what, wait, um, what will be done for the man? Look at verse 26. He says, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is, he said, who is that uncircumcised? Who does that guy think he is? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And notice he didn't say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that could stand against David? He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he might stand against the armies of the living God? Now, David comes into it in that kind of setting, right? And the people answered him in accord with this word. He's saying, yeah, that, that's what's going to happen. All that stuff, that's going to be his. So David's like, who is this loudmouth talking trash and taunting the armies of the living God? Now, now his brother... Eliab, his oldest brother, heard this, right? And so in verse 28, we read this. It said, he heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David. Now, this is not completely unusual for siblings in a moment like this, right? He says, he hears all this, and he's like, why have you come down? And, and by the way, by the way, uh, who have you left those little sheepies you, you've been watching like little David, thank you for the Lunchable. Um, you came down here and, and oh, did some, is somebody taking care of those five sheep? Because that's what, you know, we've got you looking after. And, and he says, I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart. And you've come down here to see the battle, right? But verse 29, David responds just like all siblings do to one another, right? They're like, can I not just ask a question? I mean, I'm sorry. Somebody's had a bad day. Maybe you're hangry. I hope the Lunchable's help, right? David says, what have I done now? Was it not just a question? And the word gets to Saul and the word gets to Saul and he says, hey, there's this, there's this guy out there and he says he can whoop this giant, right? And so Saul sends for him. Let's get down to verse 32. Scripture says this, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you're but a youth. And Goliath, he's been a warrior from his youth. Like he's been going at this thing. But David said to Saul, your servant, what he says right here is he says, God's been faithful in my past and he's going to be faithful right now. But he says this, he said, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. 
And then he says, I went out after him. I attacked him. I rescued it from his mouth. When he rose up against him, he said, I just got him by his little beard. Y'all that get those big beards, this ought to give you some warning, right? He said, hey, I got him by that big beard. And he said, I whooped him right then. He said, I killed him. And your servant, right, he's killed both the lion and the bear. He, he said, this joker, this uncircumcised Philistine, this guy that's taunting the armies of the living God, verse 36, he says, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he is taunting the armies of the living God. He says, I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. God's been there in my past. He'll be there in the future, right? God is faithful. Can I remind you when the, when the giants are around and when things are coming at us, right? A lot of times we can forget just how faithful our God is. Let's go to verse 37. And David said this, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head, clothed him with armor. David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David says to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. He took them off, took a stick in his hand, verse 40. He took a stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had, even his pouch. And the sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Like we know this story, right? There's nothing new that you're going to hear in this moment, right? You know what's going to happen. Scripture says, then the Philistine came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him because he was just a youth. He was ruddy, had a handsome appearance, like, you know, he might be good for something, but it's not this battle, right? They want us to get this appearance like he's a, maybe, a, maybe he's a pretty boy. Maybe he's just red hair. There's all kind of different things that we could lean into that. But, but we want to understand this is, he's looking at him and he's like, you're just a youth, man. What are you, what are you doing here, right? And the Philistine says to David, am I a dog that you come to, to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Notice that's a little G right there because there's only one God. And the Philistine also said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. He says, listen, you're not even going to get a, a proper burial, right? Here's the deal, you know, to the Jews to be, to not receive that would be huge. Right? And he says, listen, we're just going to, I'm going to kill you and then just let the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, they're just going to eat your body. And then David says to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted this day, right? He, he's coming strong. He said, this day, the Lord will deliver you up into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth at and notice this. This is so important. Now, here, here's, here's the motivation, right? Here's, here's where David's looking. He said, hey, I'm going to do all this so everybody will know David is the man, right? So all my brothers will stop making fun of me about bringing the Lunchables for all those things. No, he says, listen, he said, I'm going to do all that, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or spear, verse 47, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. He said, listen, that all the earth may know who our God is, right? That all the earth may know his power and, and his majesty and his glory. And, and, and from what I can see, by the way the children of Israel are shaking in their boots, they need a good reminder of who their God is. They need a good reminder that as they walk into battle, that, that, that 
God is greater than anything, right? Sometimes we can get to looking at the size of the giants and we can get to looking at the size of the obstacles and we can forget because it really, here's the thing. It doesn't matter how big any of the giants are because our God is greater, right? Our God is greater than anything, right? And we see in verse 48 that it happened, right? Here's the Here's the story, right? It happened. And when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and he took from it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank in his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Let's stop right there. So so for years, we've heard this message. We've heard the message of David and Goliath. We've heard this story over and over again. And many times we hear it. And if you're a man in the room, there's a part of that story that resonates so deep in us, right? That we have a longing to be the hero. Like we dream of those kind of moments, right? Where we are in those kind of things, right? When we're that bold. But here's the thing. The reality is that we are not David. Fact is that that was never the intention that God had for us to see in this story because a lot of times we would say hey you know what whatever giants that are in my path whatever things that are coming my way I can take those and we've heard this this horrible theology right because we've heard that if there's a giant in our life and somehow if we just have the faith of David then every personal giant that we face is going to fall that every sickness and every cancer and every hurt and every struggle right that there's been those kind of of messages that we've heard that we said you know what that whatever this giant is, it's just going to be taken out of our way. And then all of us in this room, we've lost people to cancer and we've lost people to sickness and we've prayed for people and we've seen those giants seemingly uh, overcome. We've seen those moments. And then in those moments, we have this choice. We say, who's to blame, right? It must be me. It must be that I didn't have enough faith. It must be that, that God didn't do something. Why did God choose to deliver this and not deliver that, right? And we hear those kind of things. But this was never the message of the story. See, the message of the story was not that David was the hero and every personal giant in his life would fall at his command, but that he could trust in the living God and that his purposes would prevail. And in the midst of this story, David is not the hero of the story. God is the hero of the story. And every time we read the scripture, God is the hero of the story. Now, don't misunderstand me. God is able and he heals and he works. And we believe in a God who slays giants. We believe in a God who is able to take the sickness and the hurt and all the things that are there. We serve a God, though, that wins every single battle, regardless of the personal moment that's in our life. See, we've been told that if we follow Jesus, we've heard maybe from some television preacher, or maybe we've heard uh, somebody that we're around that Jesus and and that God is so concerned with you being healthy and wealthy, right? That if you uh, do this, then God promises that you're going to have all this, or you're going to do all that and that you're never going to be sick but that's not what the scripture says Jesus said hey in this world he said you're going to have trouble but he said in the midst of that you can take courage because I have overcome the world see the apostle Paul knew well he said I consider the sufferings of this present life not worthy to be compared to the glory that awaits us right we see those kind of moments that this momentary light affliction that there are things that we face in this life and that we suffer and we go 
through. Job said a man is born of a few days and full of trouble that we suffer, that there are things that happen. Even, listen, the sun rises on the just and the unjust. We experience joy and we experience good and we experience difficult times. We experience hard times in our life and God is great. He is big enough to deliver in the midst of those, right? But he is loving and he is good and he is mindful and he is, he is aware of all of our circumstances and those things that are in our life. We're never abandoned from those things. Paul would say that this momentary light affliction, he said, it's working a far exceeding weight of glory in the eternal. And for the believer, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though the outward man is perishing, he said, the inner man is being renewed day by day. In 1 Peter chapter number four, he said this, he said, listen, beloved, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when suffering comes your way. Don't be surprised when, when the fiery trials are there, which come upon you, the scripture says, for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that at the revelation of his glory, that you may rejoice with exultation. He says, if you're reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Man, that's the kind of thing. Listen, we walk in the midst of a broken world, but I want you to know that there's coming a day, right? We live in an already not yet. We're, we've, we've been born again into the family of God. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And we're in a place, we're in an already. We're experiencing the blessings of that in so many ways. But there's coming a day that there'll be no more struggles and no more pain. And so we can't get our mind on our personal story all the time because God's got a greater perspective, right? God's got a greater thing that's going on because there's a greater story in this story, right? The story of David points us to the greatest giant killer of all. Jesus Christ came, our great shepherd out of Bethlehem, and he stepped into the brokenness of this world. The scripture says that he took on flesh and that he dwelt among us. And in Luke chapter 2, long about Christmas, we're always reading, and we read these things, these shepherds, that they were abiding in their flock, right? That they were in those kind of moments. And here's the announcement, right, that's given. And he says, for today, verse 11 says, in the city of David. Woo! Right? And there's been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior, a Messiah, not to free uh, like they hoped in so many ways, right, from Roman oppression, right, but to defeat the one giant. And there's one giant that there's not any one of us that can stand against. You and I, we face a giant that is too big for any of us to conquer. And that giant is the giant of sin. And Jesus came. And here's the thing. He came and he took our place in the battle. This is good news for followers of Jesus Christ. He defeated death. He lived a life we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserved. Jesus defeated death. Satan has been defeated. The battle has already been won. See, Jesus died on that cross. They placed him in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. He is alive and well, seated at the right hand of the Father. So where, where do we find ourselves in the story? Where do we find ourselves in the story? What is, the, what is the, the thing that we take home, right? If we're not David, if we're not David, then who are we? If we're in those moments, right? But, but here's the thing. We're supposed to be courageous. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, God's not given uh, you a spirit of fear, right? So we're supposed to be courageous. We know that the Lord is with us. God told Joshua, there was that transition we've walked through uh, earlier this year, right? But he looked at him and he said, hey, be strong and courageous. And he said, not because uh, of how strong you are, but be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So we're to be strong and courageous. We're to face uh, and 
and step into the midst of this broken world with courage on mission for the glory uh, of, of God, right? But we are fighting from victory. The battle has already been won, and the battle has been won by Jesus, our King. The Israelites, right, I've heard people say that's who we're supposed to be. There was a viral sermon that I really loved that really just made that a highlight of it, right? And it said that, that listen, we like to say we're David. We like to say that's who we are in the midst of the story, but who we are in the midst of the story is the Israelites shaking in their boots in need of a savior. And, and if you're apart from Jesus Christ, that's where you should be. And you should be shaking in your boots in the fear of, of, of the, the things that are coming, right? If you are apart from Christ, you should be shaking in your boots. But I want you to tell you something. If you're in Christ, if you've been born again into the family of God, we fight from victory. And so I want to encourage you that maybe our goal and maybe what we should look at, what if it would be that we could look at this story and what if it could be that I just look and say, God, if I could just be a stone in the hand of the Savior, if I could just be a stone in your hands, I'm going to give you five things that I believe we could see in that. The first thing is that stones in the Savior's hand, and if you're taking notes, the first thing is that they're pursued by the Savior, right? And, and, and hang with me. We're going to go fast. Y'all are going to have to listen faster. I'm running a little over. That's your fault. And so, so, so here's the thing, right? Stones in the hands of the Savior. They're pursued by the Savior, right? Romans 3 says no one seeks after God, right? We, we, we're unrighteous. We see that moment, right? We see Adam and Eve sin in the garden. But what we have, we have a loving God who pursues them. We have a God who says and comes into the garden and says, Adam, where are you? And it wasn't because, it wasn't because he didn't know where Adam was at, right? But he comes in pursuit of that. It, we, we read uh, just these beautiful pictures, right? In the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, right? We see the heart of God in those. In Luke 15, we read those kind of things. Luke 19, the scripture says that the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost, right? We are pursued by the Savior. The second thing I want you to see is that we're prepared by the Savior. Now, these stones, they're a small part. They're just a little bitty part in this story. And we can read right by them, right? We can look over them. And there's something beautiful about that. You've heard that song by Casting Crowns. It says, listen, I don't, wanna, I don't want people to remember me only Jesus, right? There's that kind of heart that we look in this. They're small in the story, but God used them in a great way. And God had prepared them for that very moment. They were at the place that they needed to be. They were shaped, right? As, as the, the creeks had gone over them, as all these things had happened, they had been worked and, and shaped and prepared for these very moments. And you look at David's life, right? David experienced the pasture before the palace, right? He he was faithful in the pasture long before he was elevated in those things. And we must be faithful in the small things. We must live our lives for the glory of God. And whatever we do, I want to remind you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there is never a job that is meaningless. There's never a menial uh, thing that you're doing. Your classes that you're in at school, the people that you're surrounded with, none of that stuff means nothing, right? God can use it in an incredible way. Don't be disappointed in the pasture seasons of your life when you're going through those difficult times. Just be faithful where you are and know that God is equipping those that he is calling on mission for the glory of his name. You know, in our class the other night, there was a story of a man whose wife had gotten weary and he talked about he was a pastor that had had to change a lot of things about his life in order to take care of her. And, 
And as he was taking care of her, he said, you know, when you first think of it, there's this question that you can say, you know, why me? And you can have these weird kind of thoughts going through your mind. But he said, the more I looked at it, I said, God had made me for this. The things that I'd gone through in my past, the things that he had walked with him through, I was made for these moments. And, and listen, we've got to have our perspective in the midst of this broken world that we experience hard times, we experience difficulties, but God is working in the midst of all those places. Number three, we're purposed by the Savior, right? There's a purpose. There's a plan that God has for us. God's plan A, we talked about last week, was the Great Commission that we would go into all the world, and there is no plan B. We are called as followers of Jesus Christ to be the hands and feet of Jesus. God, and I can't believe he decided to use sheep like us, right, to accomplish his purposes can't believe that he chose to use those remaining 11 disciples right, to shake this world for the glory of his name. Right, when you look at the people that he picked, God specializes, right? He chooses to use the least of these to accomplish his purposes. If you're here this morning, and I, I want to tell you that God can use every single one of you as part of his plan and part of his work that he is doing in this world. You can be a smooth stone in the hands of a savior. God desires to use each and every one of you. And if you're here this morning and you're resonating and you're like, you know what? I really do have some pretty good skills that God could use me to do. You're, I mean, there's good news because God can still use you, but it's going to be hard. Okay. But if you're here this morning and you're going, I don't know how in the world God could use me. Do you know where I've been? Do you know what I've done? Do you know who I am? God says, I know exactly who you are. And I went to the cross for that. When he declared on the cross, it is finished. It was. And our past is finished. We have purpose to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. Good news number four, we are propelled by the Savior. We can stand courageously in the battle, right? Because the voices that are all around us, they say you can't do this. The things that... that that we know that we're supposed to do from the word of God, right? When we walk in those things, sometimes we're afraid to engage in conversation. We're afraid to ask for forgiveness. We're afraid to seek reconciliation. We're afraid to do all those kind of things. Don't listen to the voices that are all around. Don't fear the giants, right? Young people, don't listen to those things that say you are but a youth. Paul told Timothy, he said, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But be an example, right? He said, live a life of purity. Live this way. Listen, we don't fear the giants because we have an overcoming Savior. And He is great. Last thing, all that we do, it's pointing to the Savior. All glory goes to Him. Matthew 5 says, let your light so shine before men, that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, stones in the hand of a Savior, they're always pointing to him. It's not about how big they are. It's not about how good they are. It's not about anything about us. We're not the hero of the story. God is the hero of the story. And in verse 46 and 47, I just want to just read the last part of 46. And 47 again, and just reminds you of that in this story of David. He said this, I'll give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, 
and that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel and all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. The battle is the Lord's. And regardless of the moments of up and downs and the difficulties in the midst of this life, we fight from victory. And there was a moment somewhere in this story, and I'm not sure that we know exactly that moment, but I think it was long before the battle line, but there was a moment where David went all in. Where David said, you know what, my life is yours. I'm, I'm surrendered to the Savior. I want to be a stone, so to speak, in the Savior's hand. And we approach that kind of moment. We come and surrender and we say, you know what, I, it's not God tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. But it's simply this posture that just says, God, I'm on the end, like I'll do it. Well, now tell me what you want me to do. And every day, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have the ability to wake up in the morning and out of an overflow of time with God, as we sung in that song, Martha says, hey, if there's some time, if I, can, if I can work it out, if I get all this stuff done, if I get it all done, then I'll spend time with Jesus. And Mary said, you know what? If there's time for nothing else, I'm going to be in his presence. And out of an overflow of that, Apostle Paul said this, Galatians 2.20, he said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. We surrender our lives to Christ. We die to ourselves. We, we're born again into the family of God. We, we, we believe by faith in the finished work of the cross that Jesus died in our place, that when Jesus died on the cross, that, that it was a substitutionary atoning death, that he died for my sins. And we believe by faith. The scripture says that I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. See, here's the thing. When your stone's in the hand of the Savior, we're not living in our own strength because we're big, but we're living empowered by the Spirit of God that lives in us. He said, I live by faith. He said, it's not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live currently, the life that you're going to leave here with, the life that you're going to wake up tomorrow morning, the, the life that you live, he said, the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And we live empowered by the Spirit of God in our lives. We live crucified lives, right? We are dead to the world. And here's the thing, the world's dead to us. That's what Paul said. We, we, we are going to experience difficulty. We're going to experience those things, but we have an overcoming Savior. And every day, out of an overflow of time with Jesus, we walk by faith, living not simply for Jesus, but Jesus living his life in and through us. We're going we're gonna to worship together. Um, we're going we're gonna to close our time in that kind of way. Um, I want to I wanna pray for us. God, we are so grateful, Lord, that in the midst of, of our story and in the midst of every story that you are the hero. And Lord, we are so humbled and grateful and surprised even, Lord, that you would take broken people like me. God, I'm reminded that you are a God who takes broken pieces and makes masterpieces, Lord. Not because of our good, Lord, but because of Christ in us. And so, God, I pray, Lord, for every person in this room today. God, maybe there's someone here that 
that has just felt defeated and overwhelmed in the midst of the of the so many things that are coming at them, Lord, I, I pray, God, that you could strengthen them for the battle, Lord, that, uh, God, that we would just trust in you. Lord, if there's any that, that don't know you, Lord, if there's never been a time where we have, God, we've looked to that cross and we've recognized that, Lord, that, that when you sent Jesus and when Jesus died on that cross, that he died in our place and that it counted for me. And I believe that there's nothing in my life. That scripture says that, 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 that by grace that we're saved through faith, not of works, God, that there's nothing we could do to earn our salvation, but that Jesus paid it all. And when we believe, when we believe and trust in him, we turn from our sin and turn and trust in the Savior, that we could be born again, that we could pass from death to life. Lord, if, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, I pray today, God, that you would speak to their heart, Lord, that in the power of, their, of your spirit, God, that they would sense you speaking to them, Lord, and they would respond and surrender. God, that they would make room, Lord, that they would just respond, God, in, in repentance and faith to you. Lord, that you might save them and change them. And Lord, then they might be placed in your pouch. God, that all of us might be placed in your pouch, ready to be launched into situations and circumstances in our families and all over this world. Stones in the hand of a Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand in worship this morning?